You're listening to Cutaneous Miscellaneous, the Dermatology Residence Podcast. Well, it was my first time in New Orleans, my second time with the AAD, and I had a blast, but I'm still recovering from all the activities, especially being on Bourbon Street at 1 a.m. And if my program director is listening and wondering what I was doing at 1 a.m. on Bourbon Street, I was, of course, studying dermatology. Anyway, I just got home from clinic. I was about to call up the team and tell them I was too tired to record, but then I remembered who my special guest was, and I got a second wind. And now I'm so pumped for another amazing episode and so excited to welcome a friend and colleague to the show, Dr. Jen Bars. So Jen, how are you? Hey, Nick. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. So nice to have you here. Jen is chief resident at Mount Sinai Department of Dermatology in New York City. And Jen, we didn't get a chance to catch up too much at the conference because it was so busy, but I want to hear from you, you know, how to go for you and just give me a sense of what the scene was there. Oh my gosh. The conference was so amazing. I really felt like, you know, I've been to an AAD uh, prior to COVID and I went last year as well. And I really felt like this AAD was, you know, more like the AADs of past where people, so many people are there. The exhibitors are, you know, just outstanding. The parties are great. The vibe is, you know, popping. So I, I just really thought it was great. I couldn't agree more. You know, I love food. And if you listen to the episodes before, you know how much I love food. And I couldn't get enough of the gumbo and the crawfish etouffee and oh, it's um, so what good. Else jambalaya. <laughs> it's so good. It, it, all awesome. kinda, it all kind of runs together. I actually did my intern year in New Orleans. Um, so I lived there for a year before moving up here to New York City. And so it was so great to be back in, in NOLA, you know, visit some of my old haunts. So I, I had a blast. I had no idea. Well, I'm really uh, happy to have you here so we can talk about that. Yeah. It was my first time there and I, I loved it. I, I loved the weather and just the culture and the architecture and everyone was so nice. And just, mm-hmm. just as you said, the, the general vibe in the city was great. The big easy. Yeah. Uh, the only only problem was the weather was was cold. I think I brought the cold weather from Philadelphia to New Orleans. And then when I left, the weather came back with me. So that was unfortunate. I know. I, tot- I totally agree. It, you know, we got down there on Thursday and it was about 75 when we landed. And then, you know, the New York or Philly weather came along and it was in the 50s for the weekend. And then when I flew out on Tuesday, I think it was su- supposed to be 80 that day. So I don't know what happened. The curse of the dermatologist, I guess. We can't have the yes. sun. <laughs> And me, yeah, exactly. Can't have the sun. No one got a sunburn, which is good because that happens sometimes. So that was one good thing. And that means you have to go back, right? Because you got to go back to experience the weather. But the first day I got there, it was 75. Um, conference hadn't started yet. I walked around all day and had a wonderful day seeing wonderful things, listening to awesome jazz music on the streets. It was so cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did you eat any beignets? Of course. I went right to Cafe du Monde, waited in the line like everybody else, all the other tourists. And then the uh, the Cerevee p- parade came by as well. So I got some entertainment. Oh, that that's great that you to got see. to see that. I, was, I wasn't down there for that yet. Total, totally by accident. So tell me about the exhibit hall. I mean, what were the cool booths or what was some cool stuff going on in the exhibit hall? It was massive as it is every year. It was. It was crazy, crazy big. Um, let's see, some of the things that stood out to me. The Spivigo exhibit really stood out to me. They had that big dragon that was breathing fire everywhere. That one was really cool. Um, I had way too many beignets from the Trimphaya booth. 
Um, I also had cinnamon rolls from the uh, Cosyntex booth. So I was really sugared up all weekend. I'm still yet to come down from my sugar high. Same for me. You know, there was a little fire in the, in the exhibit hall. Everyone was okay. But I think the Spivigo dragon sneezed and uh, <laughs> lit, lit one of the booths on fire. So everyone had to evacuate. Uh, if you weren't there, we all had to evacuate the center. But everyone was okay and everyone was taken care of and all the protocols were followed. But yep, a lot of beignets, a lot of cookies, mm-hmm. a lot of like sugary coffee and latte drinks. Which yep. was uh, which was helpful, you know, because yep. um, we all we, we were all getting ready for the Durham Path Bowl. We were so excited, and you know, I was sharp. I had to be caffeinated, and unfortunately, <laughs> we we only got to the second round. But oh uh, gosh, yeah, our our Durham Path Bowl team was actually gearing up for their Sweet Sixteen match right when the fire happened in the exhibit hall and had to be evacuated. And so we went outside. We weren't sure when we were going to be able to come back in. You know how long of a break it was going to be. So that made it a little um, anxiety producing for them. But but they did great. I think another program that lost might have pulled the fire alarm on you. So I, we I think so that. too. <laughs> we we do have to investigate. I was wondering about that. I'm like, hmm, this is you know uh, interesting timing right before the Durham Path fall goes. I'm yep. sure a disgruntled yep. team. You know we have to look back on that. But no, nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. But Durham Path fall was pretty cool. I mean it was you hear cheers erupting from the middle of the floor. Everyone says what's going on. Um, and I studied my program and I studied hard, but it, you know, everyone is so smart. And sometimes, you know, you think about it too much. You go with your, you, you don't go with your gut. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was, it was a difficult for everybody. I, do you know who won by the way? I believe Metro health won. They were actually the team that beat us, um, in the, I think the elite eight, we lost um, to them, so they ended up winning. They were a great team. Wow, wow, awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to study hard for that next year, study hard yeah. for the Dermoscopy Bowl. I haven't done that, but that looked cool. Yeah, it did. I think you might win a Dermatoscope if you win that one. Okay, I've already got a couple, but I guess I could always just sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the answer for a prize you don't want. Just sell it. <laughs> just sell it. Sell it. Sell, sell all the samples. Did you bring any samples home? Oh my God. I brought a lot of samples home. I'm going to talk about the samples later. That, that's, okay. a whole, that's a whole, that's a whole bullet point I have about how to have okay. a great conference. Cause that, that needs, that needs in-depth discussion. And it I need does. To on it, that. it deserves its own segment. <laughs> it does. Now tell me about the convention center. I mean, this, they're all big, but this one was, I think just particularly big. I don't know why it stood out so, so much to me, but it was huge. I think this one was bigger than any of the others I'd been to. And I found that out on Friday with by wearing the wrong shoes. And I got blisters on Friday from all the walking that I had to do. The first lecture I wanted to go to was in like room 384, which is like all the way at the end on the third floor. It, it was like two miles down there. It was ridiculous. That, that convention center was huge. They all are big, obviously. But for some reason, this one just seemed like an airport to me. It just, it seemed massive. It did. It did. And I was always confused about how to get around. And sometimes the escalators weren't working. I don't know if you ran into that. I ran into that too. (laughs) Yep. That was a problem, but a lot of cool food food stalls and um, some like cafeteria style, some just coffee and, uh, you know, chips. And they had some jazz musicians playing. It was nice. And the, 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 the conventions floor exhibits hall was awesome. I thought, like you said, a lot of really cool booths, great samples. Um, it was an, it was an awesome conference. Really looking forward to uh, to, to next year in San Diego. Uh, but I want to just talk about you know conference tips from a resident's perspective. So me and you were there. Um, people might have not gone this year, or people might not have ever gone to AAD. Um, so I just want to give some tips for residents from my perspective, your perspective about how you can make this conference a success with everything that's going on and. I want to start out by saying, you know, don't spend all day in lectures, but don't spend all day out of lectures, you know? Yes. Um, have a schedule and attend lectures that will impact your daily practice because you can really nerd out at AAD. There's so many amazing lectures going on. 
but you can't be in two places at once. So you have to have a schedule and pick things that are going to really help you. Would you, would you agree with that? I totally would. You know, I think what makes AAD unique, especially to residents, this is by far the biggest conference that we're going to go to. And, you know, at any one time, there are probably 12 or 15 different lectures going on. So it can be a little overwhelming at first if it's your first AAD to attend. And you're like, oh, gosh, well, I want to go to this lecture. But this other lecture is happening at the exact same time that I'm really interested in, too. So it can be difficult to choose what to go to. And, you know, I would highly recommend downloading the app before you go. If you go next year, looking through the conference schedule, the, the session schedule before you go and, you know, favoriting those sessions that you're interested in hitting. And sometimes, you know, you'll see people doing this, popping into different lectures and then popping out and, you know, trying to hit multiple lectures at once. Uh, that's what I would recommend doing um, just because there's so much. It can be overwhelming. Absolutely. Same goes for social events. You know, you're going to have multiple invites for dinners, happy hours, parties, and you just can't go everywhere and can't be in two places at once. So just pick things that are important to you and try to spend some good time there instead of jumping around like crazy. And like you said, download the app, do some planning and plan lectures based on location because I wanted to go to one lecture and last minute I, <laughs> I switched and it was like a, a 30 minute ordeal. You know, By yep, the time yep, I, was there, you... I was so tired. I wanted to take a nap. <laughs> You lose so much time walking through that convention center trying to get to your next one. I totally agree. Plan based on location and things like that. A lot of wasted time walking around. If you have to, you have to, uh, but really try to be um, efficient in, in where you go and stick to an area maybe. And you know, maybe I want to do this lecture, but I want to do this one and this one's a little closer and it starts you know, right after the other one so I can kind of knock off, you know, uh, not, not be so much time wasting walking around. Yes, I, I totally agree. And like you said, you can really nerd out at AAD. Some of the lectures get, are so focused into like such little niche areas of dermatology. And that can be a great opportunity for residents. You know, if, if there's a certain area of learning that's a little bit lacking at your program, you can really get some niche learning at AAD by spending your time focused on um, lectures that, you know, you may not have as much exposure to at your home program. That, that's a great point. You know, the main focus on the meetings education for dermatologists and that's what really everyone really should go there for but also you know take time to network as a resident bring business cards bring your resume bring copies of papers that you've written and when you go around to these booths you know ask about opportunities for residents and beyond residency and if your interests your career interests are in line with them you know, just say, hey, would love to engage with you or what opportunities there are. And they might say, well, you're a lowly resident, you know, talk to me in a couple of years, but a couple of years goes by fast. They have your contact, they have your your, in your information. And before you know it, they might be calling you up and saying, hey, we'd love you to help us with this or could you do this for us? Uh, that's, that's really important to take that time too. And also take time to reconnect with friends in dermatology. You know, we're all, we're all best friends, which is great. You know, you have friends from the interview trail, friends from the intern year, medical school friends, mentors. So did you take time to connect with some of your friends there? I'm sure you did. Oh yeah, I definitely did. It's so good to see everyone that, you know, I met on the interview trail. Remember from uh, medical school itself, because I did medical school down in Alabama where I'm originally from. Um, people that I met even in New Orleans during my intern year, I was able to reconnect with some of them. So it's definitely a great time to reconnect with people and meet new people. Like you said, you know, um, connecting with industry, um, the AAD always hosts a career fair around the AAD. So, you know, if you're a resident, a second or third year resident looking for jobs, you know, this can be a great opportunity to connect with other people in the field that you may be interested in, you know, working with down the road. 
Sure. And it's funny, you know, every, every year that it goes by, I connect with my dermatology friends. They just get better with age. They get better looking. I mean, <laughs> they're We're aging in reverse, Nick. We're yeah. aging in reverse. I, I love that. I mean, I was like, wow, everyone looks so good here. Everyone's so dressed and happy and well-rested. I mean, I felt a little bit self-conscious. I oh mean, yeah. You gotta, you gotta bring the good clothing game to AAD. You gotta show out. I, I, I brought my B clothing game. I felt very self-conscious, you know? <laughs> So ne- ne- next year, ne- next year, I know I have to go shopping now. Definitely before mm-hmm. AAD, absolutely. You definitely and do. You brought up a good point. You know, the AAD Resource Center or the AAD booth was a great uh, place to spend some time with learning about all the things AAD can offer you. N- not at the conference, education yeah. and coding and things like that. And it was pretty cool. They had the AAD bucket hats, and I got one. And AAD stress oh, you ball. Did. And AAD you did? You went around and did the things that checked all the boxes to get one. I did not. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> I checked the boxes. The AD bucket hat looks very good on me, so I was happy to get that. Um, you know, it was, it was a great, great place to spend some time and just learn about. The, you know, the AD does so much for us. They really do. They have they have so many resources. You know, one of my favorite resources for us at this moment is their boards fodder that they mm-hmm. put out. It's so helpful for studying. Um, they they really do support residents and um, and you know dermatologists. So they're awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great, great to connect them. And, and also just go up and say, hey, thanks so much for what you guys do. You know, this is sometimes a thankless job, but um, putting on all those programs and uh, supporting residents, supporting dermatologists and just supporting our patients too. You know, they advocate for patients, they advocate for us so we can help our patients. And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is, you know, helping us help our patients. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's very important. I think it's very important to take one morning, one afternoon to explore the city or do something touristy. Again, I'd never been to New Orleans before, and I took a bus tour uh, one morning for a couple hours and just saw the whole city, not just the French Quarter, and learned about the history of Mardi Gras and everything else that's been going on, and that, and that was great. So what do, you, what do you think would be a good thing to do if someone has never been to New Orleans before? What should they do? If someone has never been to New Orleans before, you know, I think – you definitely have to see the French Quarter just because it's so unique. Um, you have to see Bourbon Street. Um, even if you don't want to see it at night, it's very interesting at night. <laughs> um, but you have to see it at some point. And, you know, up to you whether or not you want to have a hand grenade. Um, seeing I had Jackson a couple. Square, full, full disclosure, I had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Did you throw your grenade up into the ceiling? I don't remember. <laughs> because I had a, <laughs> by the time that happened, I had a couple hand grenades and a couple of hurricanes. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, Pat O'Brien's is one of my favorite bars on Bourbon Street. It's a dueling piano bar. So that can be a really fun place to hang out that's, you know, not too crazy at night. Um, seeing Jackson Square during the day and like walking around the quarter can be fun. There's some really cute shops. Um, obviously, hitting up Cafe Dumont for those classic, um, sure. famous beignets. You've got to do that. Even if the line's long, it's worth it. I promise. Um, there's some really great shopping on Magazine Street. And then doing tours like you did, um, going around and seeing other parts of the city that, you know, aren't as touristy, but learning a little bit about the culture and the history. There is such rich history in New Orleans and getting to know some of the people is is so amazing. And obviously I have to talk about the food. The food is incredible. It's unlike any other city in the whole entire world. I promise the food is incredible. I, there is no bad food in New Orleans. It's funny, you know, talking about going out and eating. I, my next tip was trying to stay out too late because I did one night and the next morning was really difficult. But you want to have fun. You want to party. But, you know, you're there also to learn and, and, and get some stuff done. So just, you know, you can go out maybe one or two nights, but really just try to pace yourself because it's – AAD is a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, AAD I wanna... is a marathon. You're right. 
I want to talk next about about the samples because I want to say be prepared to pay for an overweight bag because I gained about five pounds from the food in New Orleans, but my check bag gained about 20 pounds from all the free samples and gifts that I got. So just give me a couple minutes on uh, handling the free samples and gifts. So pro tip for those going to AAD that have never been is if you're flying try to find a, and you don't want to spend too much, find a Southwest flight because they give you two free checked bags on your flights. And so I checked a bag on the way in, but had an empty soft duffel bag in it on the way down there so that when I returned, I could put my clothes in my duffel bag and all my samples (laughs) in my other suitcase. And I could check two suitcases without having to pay for it. That is the pro way to do AAD. Wow. I, I'm talking to a real pro here, so everyone should listen up. These are these are the real tips. These are the real tips here. So that's uh, that, that's that's great advice. Um, so yeah, awesome to discuss uh, New Orleans and the conference. But Jen, let's do some uh, resident education now and some board review. I know I've sure. got some tips and you've got some tips. So just give me the other residents some of the high yield tips you picked up that will really help residents, um, you know, in daily practice. And of course, this is not to be meant to be exhaustive, but just a couple high yield tips you picked up from the conference. And then I'll do the same. Sure, sure. So I am graduating this year and I'm about to go out into practice, which is equally exciting and scary at the same time. So I was really focused this AAD on looking for practical tips that would help me in my day-to-day practice, um, which is going to be private practice. So I'm anticipating seeing a ton of acne. So one of my focuses this year was on finding acne tips. And so I went to a few lectures and got some great tips. I went to a lecture, um, about using uh, spironolactone for the treatment of, you know, hormonal acne. We know that we all love spironolactone for that acne in women that's worse around the menstrual cycle and it's located along the jawline, but it actually has a few controversies around it. Um, and people you know, can utilize it a little differently. And one thing I learned this uh, during AAD was that it, it can actually be used uh, in women who are lactating, which I didn't know previously. You know, we all know that it's not supposed to be used in pregnancy due to the risk of hypospadias and feminization of the male fetus. But you can use it in lactation because its active metabolite is only found in breast milk at 0.2% of the maternal dose. Um, So Dr. Choi, whose lecture I was listening to and got this info from, You know, she recommended waiting until 12 weeks postpartum to start spironolactone, starting low, and then monitoring women's milk production. Because spironolactone is a diuretic, it can have an effect on milk production. So if that occurs, you know, you may want to lower the dose, but that it is safe to use, which can be useful in um, a lactating uh, female population that is having an acne flare after, you know, they give birth. Awesome. That's a great tip. Anything else that you wanted to mention that would be helpful? Um, A couple other tips I got about the use of isotretinoin uh, that I didn't know before this conference. Uh, You know, two of the common side effects that we think about with isotretinoin, you know, we expect everyone to get dry. You know, are your lips dry or your eyes dry? Those are things that we ask our patients and we kind of use it to gauge how much um, isotretinoin they're actually absorbing into their system. And then also we're concerned about some people flaring initially within the first month of taking isotretinoin. Uh, And what I learned at AAD this year is that giving isotretinoin with a second generation antihistamine can actually decrease the rates of initial flaring and potentially increase the overall um, effectiveness of the isotretinoin, which is great. And then the other thing is if you give isotretinoin with an omega-3 fatty acid at a dose of one gram a day, that can mitigate the dryness that the patients experience while on isotretinoin, you know, making their course more tolerable. 
that's really helpful. I mean, I, I use that in my residency all the time, and I think it's an amazing medication. And I like what you did there. Like you said, hey, I'm going to AAD. Um, I'm going to be in private practice. What am I going to see a lot of acne? So I want to focus on that. Even though we see acne all day long, there's so many things to learn about. It. And that's the kind of approach I took. As a first-year resident, You know, I went to the onychomycosis lecture, and I said, even though I see this all day long, it's a common thing. I, w- I really want to make sure I'm doing it right and doing it well and treating those difficult cases. And I found a lot of interesting things that the prevalence increased with age and 70 years old or older, there's about a 50% prevalence of onychomycosis. The overall prevalence in children is much less than this, but it is increased in children with immunodeficiency and Down syndrome. And of course, we all know the dramatophytes are T. rubin and T. mentagrophytes, but there's also non-dramatophytes, yeast, mixed infections, biofilms, other causes of onychomycosis, which could lead to um, treatment failure. In the, uh, 2013, the AAD had a confirmatory testing Choose Wisely campaign where they advocated that onychomycosis should be performed, or testing for onychomycosis, excuse me, should be performed before initiation of therapy. And they found that no one really increased their testing. I think it's just because in a busy practice, people don't want to sit there and test. They just want to give the medication, but it's causing a problem. It's causing resistance. It's causing treatment failures. One paper that the speaker quoted, 28 out of 96 patients treated with trebenafine failed. And some reasons were they had non-dramatophyte molds, uh, some patients had dermatophytomas, and a couple patients actually had T. rubrum isolates that were terbinafine resistant uh, due to a, a mutation in the squalene epoxidase gene. So her take-home message was that um, you want to confirm the diagnosis before treating if ideally uh, recognize dermatophytomas because these don't really respond to treatment uh, traditionally and recognize the emergence of terbinafine resistance in testing. The next speaker that I got on talked about treatment. Of course, we have terbinafine, etraconazole, fluconazole. We have our solutions. We have our lacquers. Um, Ron, remind everyone about terbinafine, three months for the toenails, six weeks for the fingernails, and there's about a 38% cure rate at three months. Um, I love how she said about fluconazole too. She tells her patients it's fluconazole Friday, so they know when to take it. Of course, it's given once a week. And the higher dose that you give, there's a more uh, a higher cure rate. So I might go into the office and say, happy fluconazole Friday, fungal Friday, everyone. They have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's a good, good thing like to tell your patients, remember, yeah, remember when to take it. Um, she, she, again, pointed out that um, terbinafine resistance you know, is, is emerging and we're having antifungal resistance. is becoming endemic. And she made another important point regarding the treatment of tinea corporis with terbinafine. And her point was when terbinafine fails, etraconazole should be used in this emerging climate of antifungal resistance. So everyone should practice really good antifungal stewardship. We should ideally um, to confirm the diagnosis before we treat. Um, and we want to treat aggressively and make sure we get a cure. The next session I attended was the board's blitz, which I'm sure all residents will be interested in. I just want to highlight some high-yield tips that came up. Make sure to know NRAS, uh, BAP1, HRAS, GNAC. Make sure to know those. Um, make sure to know Langerhans cell histiocytosis and non-Langerhans cell histiocytosis and know all the um, S100 and C, you know, CD207, all those things. Make sure you know which is positive, which is negative. No P63, CK20, S100, uh, CEA, which is associated with extra mammary pagets. Know the difference between all the different paniculitides on path because that comes up and they want you to make sure you can tease out those details. Same goes for sebaceous hyperplasia versus adenoma versus sebacioma versus sebaceous carcinoma. Very, very common board's fodder because they really want to test your knowledge between these very small differences. Uh, surgery tips, know the instruments, forceps, blades, nail equipment, know what sutures look like on the exam and what the, uh, the reasons for doing certain sutures are. Z-plasty, lengthens and reorient scars, 
S-plasty minimizes standing cones. M-plasty decreases length. And again, know what these look like on the exam, how to draw them out. Uh, anatomy is very important. I know one thing that came up was that cranial nerve seven um, does provide a little sensation to the ear around the um, auditorium meatus. Very popular boards question. Uh, know the danger zones um, when performing procedures on the face. And uh, flaps, no flaps front, front and backwards and be able to look at a flap that was done and know, you know, what flap it was and, and, and vice versa. So any closing thoughts on that, Jen? I know I rattled off a lot there, but what did you find uh, you most important? You did rattle off a lot. No, that, that's great. One tip I have for flaps, because I, I really struggled when I was trying to learn flaps for the basic and the core exams and watching YouTube videos of the flaps actually like happen and have someone explain them, I think is one of the easiest ways to learn them. Reading reading a book about flaps and trying to figure out exactly what's happening did not work for me. So that would be my tip. But all of those things you listed are so high yield for core exams. I'm sure they're going to be high yield for my applied exam coming up. So that's great. Absolutely. Well, Jen, we're about out of time here and just want to say it was lovely having you on. I think we discussed uh, really fun things, uh, helped residents learn about the conference and gave some board review. But we always end with a personal question and you did a great job as our host in the Winter Clinical Miami. So I want to ask you, what's your favorite cruising drink? What is my favorite cruising drink? That would probably have to be uh, Tito's and soda with lime. That's usually my go-to. Okay. You, you can't go wrong with that. I know. Uh, again, <laughs> gr- great to talk with you. And uh, we'll have to go to New Orleans together. Now you have a tour guide now. so You know, we will. That'll be so fun, Nick. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. And, and hopefully you'll be out at AAD in San Diego. And we can have a fun time out there, too. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you there. <laughs>